0: Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is full of gray areas, uncertainty, and quite often fear. Higher Potential with Indeed is here to demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations, groundbreaking ones too. I'm your host, Erin Waddell, Strategic Insights Consultant and d Evangelist in Australia for Indeed. I've worked in the recruitment industry in Australia for the last seven years and have been in Australia for 10 years. In this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices, and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com, the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing why you should be hiring for culture add instead of culture fit. Company culture is key to helping us feel welcomed, respected and included in the workplace. And with most of us spending a third of our lives at work, it makes sense why we may want to hire employees with similar characteristics and values because they're most likely to get along with existing and future team members. However, hiring for cultural fit can result in building a workplace that lacks diversity and inclusion encourages bias, and even creates a culture of group thinking, where fresh, unique ideas are uncommon and even dismissed. To build a truly diverse and inclusive work environment, companies should start selecting candidates that not only fit the company culture, but have something to add to the organization as well. To discuss the benefits of hiring for culture add instead of culture fit, and to share tips on how to start implementing this in your recruiting efforts today, we are joined by Celia Katungu-Moran, who is the Diversity Recruiting Program's regional leader at Amazon Web Services. Welcome, Celia. Thanks, Erin. Would you be able to share a little bit with us about your role at AWS? Thanks
1: so much for having me today. So I currently run our diversity recruiting programs here at Amazon Web Services. And essentially, I'm responsible for partnering with our talent acquisition team to make sure that we're driving programs that support hiring diverse talent across the Asia Pacific, Japan, and China region. So. Yeah, I've been with Amazon for six and a half plus years at this point and spent all of that time in our talent acquisition team. So very familiar with recruiting and hiring and, you know, what works for
0: us here at Amazon in terms of hiring diverse talent. That's great. You've been there a long time. So you must have seen a lot of changes in that time and probably helped to have make some of those changes. That's great. Could you talk a bit about AWS's recruitment processes and how you implement processes that champion diversity and inclusion?
1: Absolutely. Number one is our leadership principles. So these are kind of top of mind with most things that we do here at Amazon. It's a pretty comprehensive process that we go through, and the leadership principles are really the center of the process, and you know how we assess candidates as well. So we're always looking for candidates that kind of exemplify those leadership principles, and it contains things like you know seeking diverse perspectives. Um, leaders are right a lot and always looking around corners for new ways to invent. On behalf of customers as well. So leadership principles, number one, it's kind of our bread and butter, right? Number two, I think, is really a focus around creating diverse interview panels. So we've done a lot of work on this over the years to make sure that when candidates are interviewing with us, that they're meeting with a diverse set of Amazonians. And so not only from a gender perspective, but also from a role diversity perspective, right? So if you're interviewing with AWS, you'll often meet with four or five different stakeholders from all parts of the business and all parts of the world who we'll provide insight into what it's like to work here and share more about how you'll be partnering with them. So yeah, number two, diverse panels. And then finally, a recent initiative that we've launched is an opportunity for candidates to have what we call a candid chat. And this is a a chat that's kind of off the record. It's not part of their evaluation process, right? And they get to meet with an affinity group member. So one of our affinity groups, like Women at Amazon or Glamazon for gay and lesbian folks at Amazon, and really have a candid chat about, you know, what's it really like to work here at AWS? So we found that's been really fruitful for folks to, you know, get a sense of what what our diversity and inclusion work is like and what it's like here from a cultural perspective.
0: Now, AWS and Amazon are they're everywhere. I mean, it's a huge company with offices in many locations around the world. When it comes to those efforts that you just described, do you kind of follow a do you follow a process that's more of a global process that's rolled out in all of the countries or do you get to tailor things to the market that you're in? We do always kind of think big with initiatives that we're driving. That is one of our leadership principles as
1: well. So, you know, initiatives that are built are very often built with a global lens in mind. So uh, part of my role actually being the APJC leader is to make sure that initiatives that we're driving are, um, you know, taking into consideration those cultural nuances so that, you know, what we roll out in places like Japan versus Australia will be very different. We do always think big and we want to, you know, think about our customers in each of those
0: geographical locations as well to make sure we're we're building initiatives that scale. That's great. We have seen numerous studies that show that diverse teams are more efficient, innovative and productive, which can all result in increased revenue for the organization, I think reduced attrition. Can you talk a little bit more about this? For sure. Yeah. So... For us at AWS, you know, I think our approach to diverse teams
1: and the benefit that we see is really around our customers and believing that, you know, by having diverse teams, we're better able to both represent our customers and innovate on behalf of them. So, you know, diversity of thought really enables innovation. That's another key sort of leadership principle here at Amazon is to invent and simplify. And so, by having diverse teams, you know, we really believe that we can continue to innovate and look around corners on behalf of our customers. We've certainly seen the benefit of that, I think, you know, as we've progressed on our journey uh, with diversity and inclusion, Uh, but it always starts with the customer and we sort of work backwards from that in terms of the reason why we're building diverse teams. How does that affect your employees internally? The benefits are really only positive from the You know, employee point of view. Personally, I can speak from my own experience in terms of the diversity of individuals that I get to work with every day. You know, we're, like-minded in the way we operate and that we've, you know, kind of shown alignment to those leadership principles, but everybody, you know, brings something different. And we have this concept of, you know, raising the bar with every person that we bring into the business. And so each person is kind of bringing something new or something that's kind of value add to the team, which really means you're working with some really bright and passionate individuals and, you know, able to get some really cool stuff done.
0: Yeah. And it probably helps When it comes to the recruitment side of things to show that, you know, you're, you're actually living the values, you're walking the walk and not just talking the talk. I think that's a big deal too. You did touch on something that I do want to ask about, which is kind of the, the double-edged sword that I think is like-mindedness. And that's really when it comes to cultural fit. I think there's a lot of employers that can get stuck in the rut of continuing to hire for cultural fit instead of maybe taking a look at what else they could have. I think like-mindedness is good if it is a thing, if it's like-mindedness in terms of we all want to be responsible for change and inclusion. It can be a dangerous thing if you want everyone to look, talk, and act the same way. So why do you think employers continue to hire for cultural fit? My personal view on this is that it's probably easier to
1: hire for cultural fit. You know, I think studies have shown in terms of unconscious bias, you know, we're, we tend to be biased to folks who are like us, right? Who are either similar to us, come from a, the same background, went to the same school, you know, whatever it might be. So my my personal take on it is that it's it's probably just easier and it's probably quicker, you know? So for us, when we think about raising the bar that I talked about, you know, and hi- hiring bar raising talent, that can sometimes mean it takes us longer and it's a harder process to find the right candidates, right? So by really thinking differently and thinking, well, you know, what, what is this person bringing to the team that we don't have today? Or, you know, how are they better than the current um, folks we have in the role today? It really means that we're, you know, investing that time and um, effort in getting the right
0: people in from the get-go. Unconscious bias plays a huge role in recruitment, whether recruiters know it or not. It plays a huge role in everyone's lives, whether they know it or not. We all have biases. It's how aware of them we can become. I think it's it, it's great to have unconscious bias training, but it also has to be on the person to dedicate a little bit of time to understanding that you know if they want to get rid of these biases, they have to do some work themselves. And so I think this can come I think that this can play a factor. I think that this is a factor when it comes to hiring in a lot of a lot of instances. Why do we assume that candidates with similar qualities as our current team are more eligible? You're spot on with the unconscious bias piece. You know, it, it's at play
1: all the time and we don't even realize it. And um, we actually run a, an internal training around this where we really encourage people to think about, you know, being data driven and, you know, being aware of those biases and how to interrupt them from the get-go, right? So yeah, I honestly feel like the reason people are you know, more aligned to, to folks who are similar to them is because of those biases that they might not even be aware of, right? So I think if organizations can think of ways to interrupt those biases so that the conversation really is objective and data-driven, you're more likely to
0: hire people who are culture ad versus culture fit. Do you think it's possible to identify areas within a company where you could benefit from culture ad? Do you think that that's a tactic some companies could take? Or do you think that that just kind of has to come with whoever is being hired? Yeah, I do think it's a tactic
1: companies could take on for sure. The bar raiser mechanism that we have has been really successful in helping us do that, right? So that really involves a third party being part of every interview panel, somebody who's not invested in the hiring process, who can provide that objective view of, is this the right long-term decision for Amazon, right? So yeah, I've seen other organizations kind of have iterations of that type of mechanism. I know a couple of other businesses we work with have implemented similar things where, you know, it's a pretty concrete mechanism that can both interrupt bias and make sure that the discussion is data-driven and objective.
0: I think when it comes to inclusion, there's the flip side, which is exclusion as well. And so when hiring for cultural fit, is there a way that it can exclude, whereas hiring for a cultural ad can include?
1: Yeah. So I think um, if you're constantly kind of hiring the same profiles, I think you're really missing out on bringing that diversity of thought, right? That we talked about. So you know, the concept of always thinking of raising the bar and having that bar constantly increasing, you know, with new people coming in, really means that we're adding value from the get go and people are bringing new things into our teams. This actually reminds me of one of our most recent leadership principles that just got announced not too long ago around striving to be the earth's best employer. And it actually contains a a piece in there that talks about, you know, we're really focused on hiring diverse teams and that we want want to make Amazon a fun place to work, but also, you know, a place where people are able to bring their true selves to work and um, bring their diverse perspectives as well.
0: That's a big step forward. I think when it comes to announcing it and making it a public initiative where people feel that they can connect to it, they have something to identify with, uh, in terms of, you know, if it's aligned with their mission and values, I think that's, that's really probably motivating for a lot of potential employees and current employees who maybe they've wanted to see this change for a while, and maybe they've not spoken up or felt comfortable to be their authentic self. I think that that is a big thing. If you're making it, if it's coming from the top down, I think it's really powerful. If the senior leaders of the various teams or even the organization. Are making it a priority for them it's going to encourage people to fall in line in terms of feeling that they are able and capable to do that without feeling like they're the odd one out because they're sticking their hand up or they're 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 using their voice when no one else is if you had any advice to give to organizations on how they can move from hiring for cultural like a cultural fit mentality to hiring for a cultural ad mentality we would love to hear them yeah, absolutely. So I think I've touched on a few of these already, um, but I really think like
1: having a, a concrete mechanism that means you're interrupting bias and that you're able to provide a data-driven way to say like how is this person bringing cultural ad or you know how are they raising the bar for our business. And so for us, you know, that is very much around taking very descriptive notes and reviewing those notes, you know, as a as a group and coming to a consensus about you know, whether this is the right long-term decision for Amazon. So I think if organizations can establish similar kind of mechanisms, you know, it probably looks different for different businesses, but, um, that focus on really keeping objective and then an opportunity to evaluate whether this is the right decision long-term.
0: What resources or mechanisms are available to HR and hiring teams to make their recruitment process more welcoming to diverse candidates?
1: Yeah, great question, especially in the virtual uh, nature in which we're living these days, right? So um, we definitely make every effort to accommodate um, candidates, you know, all candidates, not just candidates coming from a diverse background, right? So um, a couple of things, you know, I would highlight around um, the virtual nature of interviewing. So we definitely want to nurture kind of a a two-way conversation. Um, So personally, you know, I always take the opportunity to, Kind of spend a few minutes with candidates explaining my journey and a bit about myself before kind of jumping into the questions, just so that they feel, um, you know, at ease and uh, they get to know me a little bit more before jumping into the interview itself. Um, we also want to um, uh, kind of provide that uh, candid view of what it's like. So I think the candid chats thing that I talked about right at the start um, has also helped to really provide a welcoming experience and some of the feedback we've seen from candidates on that has been awesome you know like the opportunity to speak with someone who's like me or comes from a similar background um, is really really um useful um, And then I think also the opportunity to ask us questions. So we're really open. Um, We recognise that the interview is like a two-way street, you know, and we want candidates to kind of figure out whether Amazon is the right place for them um, as well. So we always provide candidates with the opportunity to ask um, questions and we, you know, very open around, you know, what are our diversity and inclusion initiatives and how can they get involved um, and sharing more kind of real life anecdotes. Like I I like to share with candidates, you know, my journey and the six and a half years and some of the things
0: that keep me at Amazon. I would love to hear a little bit of your journey and what keeps you at Amazon. Do you mind sharing? It's probably the question I get asked the most,
1: to be honest. And it does sound a little bit cliche, but for me, it is the people that I get to work with. And I think that's a testament to the hiring process and, you know, the focus that we place on really making sure we get the right people in from the beginning. And yeah, the the focus on delivering results, but also having fun while you're at it. You know, I've had some, some really fun interactions over the years, traveled all over the world, you know, met with various different people who are super inspirational, right? So it really is the people for me. And I think that that is a testament to our hiring process.
0: I think that's huge. I think that your community, the community in which you live, the community in which you work can make a huge difference to whether you're experienced at an organization or in a location, it can be night and day. And I feel like that is a huge testament to AWS if they are keeping employees engaged, active, I'll say happy, but I'll, you know, happy is a subjective term when it comes to workplaces. Um, But if you're always learning, I think that that's kind of what I picked up is that you're working with people who are, are making you feel like you can be our authentic self, and that you're learning, and you get to experience new things. And if you um, if you have that in a workplace, even if you're doing you know a job day in and day out, it's at least you're you're happy with the job and the people. I think that's a huge a huge benefit and a compliment to your employer. They're very lucky to have you. When we go back to the cultural fit conversation. What kind of policies are in place to support this level of inclusion in company processes at AWS and how can organizations go about creating effective policies around inclusion if they don't have them at the moment?
1: I often describe diversity and inclusion sort of when I present on this topic as, you know, diversity is being invited being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance, right? I think a few people may have heard that already, so we make every effort to make sure that when candidates get here, AWS is an inclusive place to work. So some of the notable things, the affinity groups that I've already talked about, you know, play a huge part in making sure that it's an inclusive place. So you know, different initiatives that we'll run, um, chances to meet via different coffee chat initiatives, partnerships with external organisations, etc. is a big one. But then another one that we really place a lot of focus on is a kind of daily pulse check, where we actually survey employees every morning. So there's just a one question every morning that um, employees will answer that gives us a sense of um, you know how are they feeling? Are they feeling included? And on that sentiment tracker, we can see, you know, where, where are there opportunities for for development as well. So,
0: And you ask this every day?
1: Yeah, every day. So when I log on every morning, the first thing I see on my laptop is, um, you know, a poll, um, daily poll that everyone will receive. And it's just one question, one click to get a sense on that inclusion sentiment tracker of, you know, how am I feeling? Do I feel included at work? Do I feel like I, you know, feel... Informed and trusted by my peers, et cetera. Um, And that's been really fruitful for us to then, you know, off the back of that, look at, okay, well, what initiatives do we need to drive? Where are there areas for opportunity for teams to help support inclusion as well?
0: That's fantastic. That's great. Every day, I think that that's, I mean, obviously you're working at an organization that has the tools and the means (laughs) to do that. Um, But you know what? I feel like even if you're a tiny company, even asking someone verbally, how are you today or how do you feel about this or you know there's so many ways you can do this creatively without needing to be at a global internet company to make people feel like they are not just to make people feel but to show people that you genuinely do care about how they're feeling, what their thoughts are. It's that it's those little things where they feel like they have a voice because you're giving them an opportunity to voice them, their opinions and their feelings. That's That's great. That is so nice. I think that that's wonderful. Wow. So in addition to these questions that you're asking people, which is fantastic, it's a great way to um, generate data as well. What are some of the other accommodations that AWS has that you offer employees, both virtually and um, in the workplace?
1: Yeah, so there's a number of different things I can speak to here. So um, back when we were in the office, uh, we have things like um, prayer rooms, uh, mothers' rooms for you know new mums who are breastfeeding. Um, we have um, uh, different affinity groups around people with disabilities that you know make sure that we're accommodating um, um, any employees who have disabilities as well. Um, And then I think one of the big things for me now that we're all virtual uh, is really this focus around um, building work-life harmony and, you know, when we say work-life harmony, it's really around how the two kind of intertwine and, you know, kind of ebb and flow as as things go. So um, we really place, place a focus on establishing that work-life harmony uh, with your manager and agreeing what that looks like because we appreciate that it looks different for everybody, right? So, you know, my situation versus someone else in my team could be very different. So um, I think our focus on, Delivering results and outcomes um, versus you know being present or being on at a certain time uh, really means you can figure out what that work-life harmony looks like for you, um,
0: and yeah, be flexible with that with your manager as well. That's great. I like that term workplace or work-life harmony. That's a that's one I haven't heard, but I really like the way that that ties it all together. The final question, which is how we finish every episode of Higher Potential with Indeed, is what will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? Yeah, this is a a really
1: good one. I was reflecting on this earlier today. So I think my two cents on this would be focusing on work that drives real change. So my experience in this space is there's often a lot of good work happening, but then a lot a lot of things that don't actually end up eventuating to having impact or, you know, creating real change. So, you know, in the context of inclusion and in the workplace, I think that really means think like listening to employees about what they want, what they're looking for and ensuring that we're catering to those needs or that we're looking around corners for ways to better serve employees, right? So the kind of daily poll that I talked about earlier, that's, that's just one thing that we've implemented, you know, that really does help to drive change, you know, so if we recognize that a certain team is not feeling included or something is not going too well, you know, we'll we'll act on that very quickly and and put together programs and initiatives to help drive change. So, yeah, I think the focus on impactful work um, and listening to employees, so if we think of employees almost like customers and then working backwards from their needs, um, I think that will really help to drive
0: um, more inclusive workplaces in the future. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and I am sure you'll be going and doing amazing things at AWS in the future as well. Thanks again, Celia. Awesome. Thanks so much, Erin. It was great to chat with you today. Thank you for listening to Higher Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, click the link in this episode's description to fill out the form. Just a quick note, the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed. Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, All content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.